Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Good morning, church. Praise the Lord. Uh, We continue our series based on the book of Ephesians that we entitled The Heart of the New Covenant. In chapters 1 through 3, we have looked at this panoramic vista of the gospel, the mystery of God's heart's desire revealed in Christ. And Paul is getting so excited. And uh, then in chapter 4, beginning in chapter 4, all the way to the rest of the epistle, to chapter 6, he does this famous bridge, therefore, if you've seen this, therefore, learn to walk worthy of the gospel. And that's what we're talking about here, living worthy of the gospel. Listen, not making yourself worthy by your conduct and by the way you conduct, conduct yourself. Fundamental difference. See how you've been made worthy in Christ Jesus. And then look at your life and see, is that a contradiction or it's conducive to this truth? And learn to live in a way that is conducive to this truth. All right? And as usual, I'll be quiet and loud today. And I'll do all the, all the horrible things that I do to our media people because they're trying to predict what I'm going to do next. Good luck. Uh, So last time we covered chapter 5, verses from 1 through 20, and it was a call to imitate God. Basically mimic God like little kids mimic parents. And if you haven't been here, please go ahead and online and listen to this message. So we continue, we pick it up from verse 21, 22, and we're going to cover the rest of the chapter. And here's what's happening, beginning from verse 21, Paul gives a general call to all Christians to take a heart's posture that is called submission. Not very popular word today, especially among Americans. What? Submit? Me? No. He says, you need to learn this heart's attitude. And then he begins to dig and zoom in into specific relationships. And he gives us three different sets of relationships. Husbands and wives, parents and children, And slaves and slaves' masters. Well, back at that time, slavery was prominent. It was a normal normal thing of life, unfortunately. In fact, over the centuries, the seed of the gospel has sprouted and killed that evil. But the dynamics of relationship when someone is in authority and someone is under authority remains. You have employers today. You have employees. So it still makes sense. It's still relevant. But today I want to talk mainly about what Paul speaks about the relationship, marriage relationship between husbands and wives. And if you're not married or you're single or you're divorced or whatever, please don't think, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't have come today. It's irrelevant. It's relevant to you. Because Christ, I'm sorry, Apostle Paul connects it to the heart of our faith. And to the relationship between Christ and the church. And he got so excited when he began to talk about the marriage. 
he, amen, bless you, or whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, sorry, it's... <laughs> so Paul is so... <laughs> Actually, the funny thing, in Russia, there is a su superstition. If you're saying something and somebody sneezes, that means they are saying the truth. I don't know. <laughs> so don't take it as a cue to start sneezing at me every time. Just say amen. Amen will we'll do. <laughs> so Paul gets so excited about the marriage when he begins to talk about the marriage relationship. It triggers something in him. It triggers something big and explosive. So that's the lesson right there. It's a parenthetical uh, like note. Uh, we never graduate from the gospel. Paul starts excited about the gospel. And then he begins to talk about the Christian living. But he never graduates from the gospel. And every once in a while, he, he slides right back into the gospel message. When he talks about specific relationship, he slides right back into the heart of God. Right back into this vista vision, panoramic view of God's heart's desire realized and revealed in Christ. That's, that's what we should strive to do. We should never, like, yeah, yeah, that's the gospel. I heard it. Now teach me how to live. How to be a better husband. If I teach you how to be a better husband, you'll suck at a husband. That's how it works. Because the only thing that truly transforms you is when you see Christ. And you keep seeing Christ. And you keep looking at Christ. And then you learn how to be a good husband by seeing Christ and imitating Christ. That's Paul's logic. That's why we cannot say, oh, it's culturally irrelevant. It's just for people back then. We just keep it over. Because the scripture I'm going to read today is considered to be controversial. And preachers don't like controversial scriptures. So there is a temptation for a preacher to skip it over. Or to, or to just dismiss it as irrelevant culturally. You can't. Not at this passage at least. But this passage is controversial. Because it's been abused so many times. And I'm going to give some disclaimers. To make sure... You are able to remove your guards and put them off to receive what God has to say through this scripture. Because every time you hear a preacher saying, wives, submit to your husbands, you go, ah. And I would go, ah, too. Because that passage and passages like that have been abused so many times to stifle women, to oppress them. And it's a bullcrap. It's a religious bull crap. And nobody will ever preach that crap from this stage in this church, not on my watch. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I'm angry and I'm sorry. Man. And if you're a man and you, if you think that a woman, is in need for a man to make decision for her, decisions for her, you're dumb. <laughs> if you think by the virtue of having gonads, <laughs> you're higher than a woman and smarter than a woman, you're stupid. I'm sorry. I, man. Is that enough said? 
Is my position clear? Thank you very much. So I am, am I free to proceed? Thank you. That's why, okay, you can move your guards off. I'm not going to encourage any submission that is imposed on you women. First of all, it's not a passage for women. It's a passage for wives and husbands specifically. And second of all, you need to understand that Paul splits this call. It's a twofold call. He says, you people who are in special covenant relationship that we call marriage, that came from God himself and sanctified by God, you have a different calls in this relationship. Husbands, your call is to be a leader. I called you to be a leader. And I'll talk about what it means. Wives, you need to learn to submit. And what it means, it means to recognize this position. To recognize the role of leadership that is placed by God on, upon the husband in, the, in this union. All right? So, I'll, I'll talk, don't worry, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll unpack it right now. So, so... Our marriage is under attack today in so many ways. And we are here want to restore proper view of marriage. And if you're not married and it's not relevant to you, it's still important to understand because Paul connects it to our relationship with Christ as the church. So, man, one of the most important relationships in every culture is marriage. And it's ultimately connected with the mystery of the gospel. My title... The title of my message today is The Divine Romance. The Divine Romance. You know what the divine romance is? It's another way of saying the gospel. The gospel is a revelation of God's heart's desire, which is a divine romance. First, marriage is the Biggest and strongest prophetic word about God's heart's desire for men, for human beings, for mankind. All right? Oh, man. So once again, I'll say true gospel leaves no room for abusive relationship when one person is oppressed and dominated by another based on gender. You heard me right, right? Good. So, that's... We kind of dealt with the negative things, with the, with the way it, it's been abused through centuries and so many women were afflicted, were caused so much pain, were stifled. Their destiny, their calling of God were stifled. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. But let me come back to the essence of the gospel. The essence of the gospel is that the same, it's the same for all people. There is no difference whatsoever. The essence of the gospel is a call to receive the fullness of the gift of God's grace. What is that gift? To be fully accepted as a child of God. To become an heir of God. To partake of His life in nature. Yesterday we had this training and Neil, at the end of the training, we had a training for prayer ministry team and Neil said, uh, guys, don't ever tell me oh I'm just I'm just human because if you understand the divine romance if you understand the gospel there is no such thing as mere human mere human means someone who is fully 
suitable for God to fill, to be one with, and to, to become something that satisfies God, gives him rest, joy, and becomes an expression of God in this world. That's what mere human is. If you understand God's design, God's plan, okay? So, once again, I'll say that the value, worth, and the dignity of every human being has been established forever. And it's the same for man and woman alike. The price that has been paid for every human soul is the blood of the Son of God. All right? And you can seal it with one scripture. You can actually memorize it if you want to. I highly recommend you memorize it. It's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Galatians 3.28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male, no female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In the heart of the new covenant, there is absolutely no distinction between your nationality your ethnicity, your cultural background, your gender, man or woman, doesn't matter. Fullness. Fullness of God's gift for you. All right. Having said that, now let's get to this controversial passage and we're going to read it together. And one more thing I need to give, one more disclaimer. The call is for wives to submit. The call is for husbands to love. The call is not for husbands to teach their wives how to submit. Say it again. The call is not for husbands to educate your wife how she's supposed to do that. None of your business. Let God do the teaching. Wives. The call for you is not to teach your husband how to be Christ-like and love me. None of your business. Let the Lord do the teaching in the heart. You hear me? And that's important to know that this is the call to actually that someone is taking willingly. So if the Holy Spirit does what is, what is He doing in your heart and accomplishes that you as wife you will want to learn to submit which is to recognize the proper place and the proper order of things the word submit here is a greek word uh, i think it's hypotasso if i remember it correctly it doesn't matter i can say whatever you won't know <laughs> but i think <laughs> i think it sounds hypotasso and hypo is to be under and tasso means to be in a specific order in a specific arrangement that is recognizable. So basically, it's a military term. Like military, don't wander around like, and like they are in a specific formations. So there is a, the call to submit is to, a call to recognize God's source, God's order, and your place in it. And is it only for wives? No, it's for everybody. If you want to reach the highest level of success in life, the, realize the fullness of your potential that God put in you, you absolutely have to learn to recognize God's order and submit to this order. 
I don't care how talented you are, you will never reach your highest potential if you don't learn to take this attitude to your heart and willingly recognize God's order, recognize authority and submit yourself under God's authority. Will this authority be always perfect? No. Just like your husband will not always be like Christ, okay? And maybe, just maybe, you're smarter than your husband. It doesn't mean that it changes. He's still called to be representative of God's authority in your marriage. And you still need to learn to... Well, anyway, as I was thinking, uh, like, of a more modern example of this submission that... It's really a good example of this biblical submission. Not, not abusive, toxic kind of thing imposed on person. But something that somebody does willingly. You know, God gave me this example to my heart that I have observed for the last two years in this very church. And you, observe, you have observed it too, but you, most of you didn't know you're, you're observing it. Let me tell you a story about someone that you've seen many times on the stage. Do you love our music? worship wonderful well uh we have several worship leaders the, the main worship leader is wes he has absolutely reformed this church he has reformed the worship but let me tell you wes has this amazing ability to bring the best out of people and to bring them to the level that they have never been before he sees something in them and he says i see much bigger picture of you than you are and i don't take me as arrogant, but I know how to get you there. You know what it takes to get there? Submission. And we have this, one of our worship leaders, Mani, the brother who was born in India, far, far from any message of Christianity. He came to America. Somebody preached the gospel to him. He became a Christian many years ago in this church. His family disowned him for his Christian faith. But he said, but this is true. I'm going to follow Christ even if I lose all of my family. And he began to follow Christ. And he began to dedicate himself. And he felt the Lord is leading him to become a praise and worship leader. And he, he started doing it. He started taking this responsibility. And years ago, he began to learn to lead people in worship. Years ago. You know how old Wes was back then? He was knee high. He was five, six years old when money already began to lead people into worship in this church. And he's been doing it for decades. And then this little boy has grown to become a young man. And God sends him to this church and puts anointing on him to reform this whole thing. And here's money. And you know what? For me, money is the best example of someone who recognized God's order, who recognized God's calling to leadership, and who recognized his place. And he willingly submitted himself to this process which I'm telling you as a man is very hard to do sometimes it's hard to do for men to submit yourself to authority of another man especially if this other man was just a teenager when like running around doing shenanigans and money has done it successfully and let me tell you something I've seen when Wes came I've seen I don't know whether there was any struggle on money side but I've seen finally money or maybe right away I don't know he got to this place of submission and I've seen money being taken to the heights that I have never seen before. His anointing quadrupled. He began to write songs and I, I can't wait for the day when we begin to worship with, with songs that money has written. The last couple of weeks ago we were in a Christian uh, school 
and money led worship the holy spirit just wrecked me i i i wasn't sure i'm gonna make it through the service without flapping on the floor seriously the presence of god was so powerful i've never experienced that before i'm not saying he was a bad worship leader but he hasn't realized all the potential that god has put in him the same thing works for all of us guys whether your husband or a wife you need to learn to recognize god's order around you recognize the figures of authority that god placed above you and Heartfelt submission should become part of your inner culture so that get, God can take you to a higher places. God resists the prideful, but He gives grace to people who learn to, to submit, to humble themselves. That's a humility. Well, that's for a wife. So it, now let's zoom back into the marriage relationship. Absolutely indispensable. For marriage to work is for wives to learn to recognize the call of God on your husband and to respect that. Even if you lost all respect for your husband, respect God in this relationship. The worst thing that you can do is to destroy his faith that he is a leader in this union. Don't do that. You're destroying your own marriage. And don't take responsibility that God placed on him. Refuse to take any responsibility. And now I'm going to talk about husbands. And I'm going to start with a story. And I apologize because I shared this story before with you. Uh, it's a story about how my marriage began. We were in a Bible school many years ago. I've been married. Oh boy. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> Something around the neighborhood of 26, 27 years. My wife is there. <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't matter, really. <laughs> I got her. Yeah, anyway. Don't get distracted. <laughs> so, we were, in a, we were in church together, and we were in the Bible school together. And my wife was, she's still stunning, but she was a very attractive, obviously very attractive young woman. And a lot of men were attracted to her, and a lot of men tried to date her, and a lot of men tried to propose to her. Within one year of a Bible school, five well-accomplished, established adult men approached her and proposed to her. I was in the friend zone. You know what the friend zone is? She's not taking me seriously as, as like, ah, yeah, he's a friend. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. And I, I took her the same way. I like, well, whatever. So I was dating. And back then I was so easily in love with anyone who looked even slightly like a guitar shape. <laughs> <clears throat> so, but a moment came when I just fell in love with my wife-to-be. I like, it just happened. It, I remember the place and time and the circumstances and I had this weird raincoat, and she just fixed a little button on it. And I go, oh, who is this girl? And uh, the rush of emotions began to feel every day of my life. And I enjoyed that sense. Basically, the scientist said it's being intoxicated on hormonal-like explosion in you. And I was like, here's the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to think about your life. You don't have to plan anything. You just wake up and like you follow the feeling. Like, 
And that's it. Like, you, you don't have to think of like, oh, call her. I'm calling her. Oh, go there. And I go in there. And I'm trying to spend all of my time with her. And I'm having a wonderful, wonderful time. And I like, this girl is amazing. And I remembered her phone number by heart. And I always had the change to use the, you know, the little phone on the streets to call her. And, but we were in the church. So I decided, well, I better be spiritual about it too. So I decided to pray about it. And I went to the woods to pray, to be along by the Lord. And that was a mistake. <laughs> because I went to the wooded area. And I I've somehow, by that time, I picked up this weird concept. This idea that, I don't know where I got it from. But that each man, if he is supposed to be married, has a tailor-made woman somewhere. Well, within the vicinity that he can find. Uh, but your task is to find this perfect match, the one, the only one. And if you find the one, you unite yourself to this one, God will bless it and your life will be hunky-dory. <laughs> and like, I don't know where I got it from. But I went to this wooded place to pray to God with this question. I feel so good about this girl. Is she the one? <laughs> or... Or shall I look for another one? And I stepped into that place. And little did I know that God is going to answer me. I wasn't used to God speaking to me. So I stepped into that place and I said, God, is she the one? And God spoke. And he said, you tell me. Here's the problem. I, I was raised without a father figure in my life, so nobody taught me responsibilities. All of a sudden, I was like, that's responsibility for you. A responsibility is a call to respond. And God said, hey, you tell me. Is she the one or not? And like, and here's the problem. I couldn't leave that spot without answering him. If God tells you, tell me now. I stood there for like, I don't know, three or five minutes. It felt like eternity. And I understood immediately that I can't just follow my feelings anymore. I should either say yes, and that man's a very specific set of actions. Or I should say no. And it's totally on me. And I, I stood there and stood there. And then I said, Lord, it's overwhelming. But I say, yes, this is the one. And here's the lesson I learned that day in a split second without understanding the Bible fully in my personal interaction with God. And this is going to be a heavy word for you husbands. In marriage relationship, yes, wives, you are to learn to submit. Husbands, you're 100% responsible for your marriage. It's not a happy union of 50-50. It's not. If you want to do it by God's book, 100% percent responsibility is upon you even if it's falling by so I knew in that moment that without knowing all the factors in the of the future I am responsible for that thing if that thing doesn't work collapses doesn't have any traction my fault nobody else I own it and that's for the boy teenage boy who never took any responsibility God was my father teaching me that and some of us need to catch up on this lesson Especially in the marriage. Your responsibility. Wives, 
submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And then Paul gets excited because he begins to talk about Christ and the church. He said, just like I told you, mimic God, imitate God, looking at God, what he did in Christ. Do the same thing by looking what Christ is doing now to the church. And this is so good, guys, because a lot of people, they only talk about what Jesus has done in the past and what will he, he will do in the future. What about now? Is he alive now? Is he real now? Resurrected, ascended Christ is alive now and he's very active. He's actively involved in the life of the church. Paul says it's marriage. It's marriage relationship. So he says, you husbands, look at Christ and keep looking at Christ and keep looking at Christ. And that's what I want you to do towards your wives. So let's just look. So have I read the scripture? I haven't read the scripture. Come on, let's read this. I hope by now I removed all the blockages in you that would put these guards on you and won't let you let this word speak to your heart. So let's right now slowly read this passage. Wives, beginning from verse 22, chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Remember, recognition, recognizing the it doesn't mean to be silent. It doesn't mean to shut up. It doesn't mean not to express your concerns and fears and, and anxieties. No, it actually do that all. Because if you keep on reading, you will realize that a wife is the most important person in a husband's life. You have no more important people. I respect you. But if my wife calls me in the middle of our conversation, I'm going to apologize and pick up the phone. That's her prerogative. That's her right. Always, will always be. Not your kids, your spouse if you're married. Your kids will grow up and leave. Your spouse will remain. All right. Gosh, I need to continue reading it. Husbands, love your wives. How? He explains. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he, might, that he might sanctify her. That he, Christ, might sanctify her. Oh, man, I'm preaching. Let me read it. Dennis, stop preaching. Read it. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You see, it's very purposeful. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as, listen to this, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, 
he is quoting the book of Genesis right now. The very beginning of the Bible. He said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, he's like, he got so excited, he carried away, he forget what he was talking about. He started preaching the gospel about Christ and the church again. And he said, oh, oh, sorry, I was talking about like husbands and wives. So he said, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Can I hear an amen to that? Good. So, guys, I, I actually, I'm wrapping it up. But I want you to see something that a lot of Christians don't see. For a lot of Christians, Christ has done something in the past and supposedly he's doing something in the future. So their church life is nothing exciting. Because in their church life, they get a lot of spanking from the pulpit. And let me tell you, well, spanking may happen every once in a while. I apologize if I spank you every once in a while. But that shouldn't be marking the ministry of the church. What should be marking the ministry of the church is what Christ is doing as described right here. Let me pick up some verses, some words that, that, is, that Paul is using here. He says, let me find it. Twenty-six, sanctify her. He said, what Christ is doing to the church, he sanctifies her. By the way, I, I, I want you not to miss it. He says, in order to present the church before himself, pure, blameless, without blemish, without wrinkle, holy, radiant. Who does that? Jesus does that. Church is not supposed to do it to herself. That's religion. When you are taught that you're supposed to do all these things to yourself to present yourself as a beautiful, shine. You have nothing beautiful in you by yourself. How do you call people that decorate corpse before they bury them? What's the name of the? Morticians. A lot of churches turn Christians into professional morticians. There's a dead, stinky corpse and they're just putting a lot of layers of makeup over it. Run away! Hear the gospel. Submit yourself to what Jesus is doing. And Jesus is cleaning, cleansing, sanctifying, cherishing, and nourishing. I'm not going to read it. I'll just tell you with my own words. He's, he's what he's doing. He's feeding. He's nourishing. He's cherishing. He's sanctifying. He's cleansing with the words. What words do they communicate the truth that changes you from within? Husbands, ask yourself, are you doing the same thing? Are you watching Christ doing it? Do you experience Christ doing it to you? Do you do it to your wife? Does your wife feel sanctified and clean after talking to you? She should. That's the way it should be. You are called to make it work. You're responsible. So wash your wife. When you marry your wife. By the way, girlfriend... Boyfriend relationship is not a marriage yet. 
in minds of many women it's almost like a marriage well almost doesn't count there should be marriage covenant please work on that if you need to work on that get married don't hesitate too much once a young boy came to Socrates and said I fell in love with this girl shall I marry her or not Socrates without even taking a split moment to think said go ahead marry and young man was shocked like why so fast you don't give me arguments he said no it's a absolutely win-win situation he said how come he said if she's a good woman you'll become a happy man if she's a horrible woman you'll become a philosopher <laughs> I mean it's a joke but I'm telling you don't overthink it young people don't overthink it do it before God don't take too long get married get married if you waited for the word from the Lord get married but understand what it implies you're responsible 100% if you're a man you're responsible 100% so if you love these feelings and you just follow them I want you to have the same experience that I had well I got distracted well anyway I'm wrapping it up I want our musicians to start coming and I just want you to know that first of all regardless of whether you're married or not we all learn to recognize the order and authority and submit ourselves in different relationships in our lives in order to receive the grace of God but if you're married especially wives just take this word pray through it know that nobody is going to use these passages to diminish you to stifle you to oppress you that's not what God is doing that's a contradiction to the spirit of the gospel God is raising you up but in the marriage you need to learn the specific call to recognize the leadership position that God placed on your husband. And husbands, make your wife the only woman in your life, the focal point of your attention. Someone that you have already signed up to die for before you even started living with. That's the marriage. And then in a daily walk, learn. And if you're terrible at that, ask God to help you to learn how do I wash her? How do I make her holy, sanctified? How do I renew strength in her? How do I bring whatever you placed within her to come to the surface and shine so that the radiance of the glory will be there? That's the picture. Paul is excited about marriage not because he wants you to be happy. Being happy in marriage is a byproduct. Marriage is the word about the heart of God. In the beginning there's Adam and Eve and Adam does not see his Eve and he's not happy and he's not satisfied and God himself said it is not good for man to be alone it remains the same but it was also a prophecy Adam goes to sleep dark deep sleep and he's caught his side is cut open a part of his nature is taken out and uh, fashioned into a being the most beautiful and refined fully matching Adam and when Adam when he wakes up he sees her he goes whoa that's a short version of the gospel <laughs> Jesus comes out of the grave and he goes whoa and at the end of the Bible in chapter 20 21 John says and I saw the city beautiful city 
coming down from heaven as the bride adorned for her husband, New Jerusalem. Eternal divine romance, not the religion. That's what I call it. And your marriage is to reflect and express this reality. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.